0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Earlier this week, we uh, told you that Queen's Park and uh, the federal government in Ottawa have uh, joined uh, together to uh, help Algoma Steel up in Sault Ste. Marie out. Uh, about $150 million on the table right now to help the company remain competitive in the uh, the face of tariffs. So they, they've just gone through a restructuring uh, at Og- Algoma, and we all know about that. Uh, you don't have to tell Hamilton Steel workers about uh, restructuring and the impacts that can have on uh, not just the workers, but on the community as well. But so what's the long-term plan, and, and what about the Hamilton steel industry? Uh, joining us to talk about this is Bob Bertino. Bob, of course, is the Liberal MP for Hamilton East Stony Creek. And uh, thank you, Bob, for joining us. Great to have you with us today. Good morning, Bill. Good to have sure. you with us. Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, thank you. Happy
0: New Year. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the the, the challenges with steel right now because I know you've been in. I, well, obviously, Algoma's is going to be the, the the focus of this conversation initially, but we want to morph into the Hamiltons because I know you've been talking with Arsenal and and Stelco about what's going on here too. So, talk to us yeah. about the federal plan here and what's gone hap- What is happening?
1: Well, the Algoma story actually was kind of misinterpreted even by the CBC National because they did a, a cut and paste of the of a very simple press release, which sounded like ninety million dollars was going to Algoma Steel in a sort of a GM style bailout in view of the tariff uh, pressures. But in fact, the same story took place in June in Hamilton when uh, Minister Freeland was here and announced uh, fifty million dollars for uh, for Defasco, Arcelor Middle Defasco. And in, in that press conference in June, um, the federal government announced a $2 billion support package for steel and aluminum. And um, it's available uh, to steel industries uh, and aluminum industries, but it will stick to steel now. The fact is that the, there were two funds that were applied for by Algoma Steel. Uh, the, strategic informi- uh, the Strategic Innovation Fund and the and Southern Ontario Federal Investment Fund. And they applied for and got those monies, and uh, then they got further money from uh, a loan from the provincial government. So similarly, the Strategic in- uh, Innovation Fund was uh, given in the amount of $50 million to Arsenal middle to FASCO. And at this moment, there's an application before the federal government from Stelco with regard to those things. And it's very similar to the Algoma Steel story because Stelco having coming out of uh, bankruptcy through the CCAA is ready now to uh, look at their plant and determine what Uh, improvements to their production facility are needed to stay competitive and that's where those those funding opportunities come in so algoma applied uh in around october i think and so the money has come through and it's an active file as i understand right now uh, with stelco before the federal government so the two billion dollars in order to uh modernize Uh, and bring up to uh, current standards, steel production in Canada is what this is all about. Since uh, Sue and Hamilton are the two big steel, Hamilton, of course, the number one steel producer in Canada, uh, we're in line for all of those uh,
0: opportunities. Uh, And listen, I don't want to look at this with rose-colored glasses, but I mean, I think it's worth noting here, Bob, that we're talking about two uh, steel entities here that were on death's door just a couple of years ago, both Algoma and Stelco. Right. Uh, and the fact that they have both risen from the ashes like a phoenix is is in and of itself, I think, a pretty good success story.
1: Yeah, it is. And it was controversial going through the process because this is the famous CCAA uh, that was much criticized by uh, members of the Steelworkers Union um, for things that had to occur to keep the company going as a, as a going operation through the bankruptcy process. And so it emerged. And now we've had uh, over $100 million from Stelco put back into the pension fund. Uh, we've seen more activity there, it, it, despite the tariffs and other things, it's still a pretty good news story for steel in Canada because steel prices have gone up and it's kind of buffered uh, some of the tariff costs. But the point is that the CCAA process allowed the companies to stay in operation, to find uh, new investors, and to rejuvenate the company. If the CCAA process was not available to Stelco, it would have been sold off, it would have been liquidated, and there would have been terrible uh, repercussions for our local pensioners. But at the point right now, our Hamilton uh, Stelco pensioners are getting about 100% of their um, pension plan and 80% or more, I'm not sure of the exact number because of the infusion of new money into the pension plan. But very strong on the benefits side, too. At Lake Erie, where they have a bigger workforce, they're 100 and 100 in terms of their pension and benefits. So so CCAA worked for both Stelco and Algoma, and we're continuing as a federal government to keep to try to keep those companies viable by ensuring that they have modern, up-to-date
0: production facilities. But one of the criticisms of the of CCAA legislation, and I know you've heard this because you and I talked yeah. about this as they were going through this, uh, was, was the pecking order. In other words, who's going to be made whole and who's going to be protected? And and much to the chagrin of the union, and I talked to Gary Howe and Bill Ferguson about that as this whole thing was going on, uh, the, you know, the, the workers and the pensioners were down at the bottom of the list, and they said, look, you got to, even if you're not going to revamp CCAA, you've got to do something to help protect the workers a little more strongly than that legislation does. Is there any discussion at all in Ottawa about doing something like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Philomena Tassi, who is senior's minister yeah. is uh, also has pension in a, a mandate letter. And we've ha- been having consultations now. There are a couple of private members bills uh, being considered. And uh, I certainly want to look once again at the case because I tried to bring it forward myself, uh, the notion of super priority in, in terms of, you know, the pensions come first. It's It sounds great, but when you look at it in detail, and this is why I want it to come to committee so we can look at the details to see what the ramifications are. But the general comment on super priority is we had an $800 million pension deficit at Stelco. How uh, uh, someone buying, the, uh, taking over the plant, as uh, Mr. Kestenbaum and his group did, would then have to cover off before they start moving into production, the $800 million.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that would likely not have happened.
0: Well, it's a and non-starter, right?
1: We, but that's what the theory has been. The private members' bill that are before uh, coming before the House are asking for it uh, again. And I'm willing to actually listen to the arguments uh, on both sides, but it seems to me that if the first thing you have to do if you're buying a, trying to bail out a bankrupt company is pay $800 million on the pension side, it's likely not going to happen. So um, what did happen was as an ongoing entity, Stelco was able to keep the, uh, the pensions at 100% and start working on the deficit side, which is the benefits, and that, there have been improvements made there. So we need to hear a a lot more expert testimony to make sure that we... Don't kill the goose that's laying the golden egg, if I can put it in those terms.
0: And obviously, well, you know the history here. I mean, you know, this is the second time they've gone through c c w h at slash US Steel or whatever they were calling it at the time. And, and yeah. the, you know, the third time is not the charm as far as they're concerned. So they they want to see revisions. And the the fact that you guys are talking about it, I think, is 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 at least interesting. And and you know, it's
1: an active file, Bill.
0: Yeah, so they can go in on this. You mentioned uh, tariffs, uh, and that's the elephant in the room here, Bob, and uh, the, you know, this is something that we hope was going to be a short-term situation. Uh, we heard earlier this week that uh, the prime minister had a phone conversation with the president, uh, I guess it was Sunday. Uh, the idea of tariffs came up, and apparently nothing was resolved on this. Um, is Is this stuff that's going on behind the scenes right now? Because it seems as if these one-to-one phone calls between the prime minister and the president aren't being very fruitful.
1: Well, I mean... It's pretty obvious to everyone uh, the behavior of, uh, of President Trump that you can't really plan around sensible conversations. He's kind of shooting from the hip. He, he seems to really enjoy the toys that he has, such as uh, national emergency for a wall along the Mexican-American border. This is similar to the uh, S-232 legislation, which allows him to impose these tariffs because of, you know, the threat that Canada may is suddenly invade the United States. Well, we, we've got to put the tariffs on. I'm exaggerating to make the point. It's obvious that uh, we're not dealing with uh, sensible business approaches on all of this stuff. Because it's hurting Americans and the Mexican border wall. Well, look what it's doing to uh, American uh, employees, government employees who are not getting their paychecks. So at some point, this has got to blow up in the president's face. Even uh, on our side, which is the tariff situation. But my conversations with with steel, with the steel people in Canada, which I you know I, I honestly felt that maybe by the end of November, December, you know, we'd hear the end of it they're talking about the long haul so we've just got to uh, we've got to devise strategies if uh if if Trump keeps going on with the um, national security tariffs because what else can we do we, we we can't wait and hope it goes away we have to deal with what's before us but we are there is a, a strong lobbying effort taking place right now with minister Sajjan and uh, minister Freeland and others in the United States with peers and, of course, those telephone conversations uh, between uh, the prime minister and the president.
0: Because there's a feeling, and I'm sure you've heard this from the uh, the folks in the industry as well, that uh, and you mentioned uh, just a couple of seconds ago that actually steel prices have gone up, which is a, a fabulous, uh, unexpected benefit. But they feel as if, okay, we're living on borrowed time here because it's not going to stay this way. Uh, eventually, there's going to be a leveling off, and we're going to be in a rather dire circumstance with these tariffs and with lower prices, unless the government can move something. And I understand that you know the ball's not in your court right now, but at the same time, uh, this is going to have to be done at the federal level.
1: Yeah, but you have to consider that the whole scenario seems to be changing, you know, in the world order. All of the sanctions against Russia that have taken place and continue to take place have resulted in an actual growth in uh, the GDP in Russia. It's, their, their economy has grown by about 1.6% because they started to have to internalize, make other deals with China, India, other uh, people. So maybe we have to do the same thing in terms of uh, playing with uh, you know, a somewhat unfriendly neighbor right now in terms of uh, President Trump's behavior. We just have to look at other things. And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, one of the uh, pur- uh, uh, the purchasers of steel uh, at a much smaller level, an Ontario company, uh, and I visited them uh, recently, they told me that they were always having trouble actually getting supplies uh, because the amount that they were buying was small in comparison with an automobile company or something like that. And so it was hard to get a call back from the big steel companies. Now they're getting a call back. you know, so the, the business is starting to change. And uh, whether the tariffs come off or not, we may be looking at a whole new way of, uh, of how business is being done between Canada, our steel companies and the rest of the world. If the United States is, you know, taking the ball and going home, uh, we're going to get a new ball and find
0: some new people to play with. It's got to be frustrating, though, Bob. I mean, oh. having said what we just did about the conversation between uh, the Prime Minister yeah. and Trump the other day, uh, you know, that's the non-starter it's not going to happen. And then, and then, of course, you pick up the newspaper and you find out that uh, the U.S. and China are talking right now about reducing some of the tariffs that the U.S. has imposed on China. So they're, they're not, they're, it's not as if they're inflexible about this. They just don't seem to want to play ball with Canada right now.
1: Well, you remember, though, China is a billion three or four or oh, yeah. And and there's no way you're going to do business in the 21st century and not in, involve China. You could, I mean, we used to hear this thing. Remember when we had issues with our, our uh, beer-making facility down on Burlington? So yeah. That there's companies in St. Louis who could do the entire Canadian production in one shift. You know, the economies of scale are, are really demanding. And and we have to play a careful game. That's why we can't, you know, what would be the extreme thing that we could do as a country that would upset uh, the president of the United States, probably pull the troops back from Latvia. Because, you know, he's very strong on uh, all the NATO partners paying their share and all of that. But how far do you go with something like that? You know, it's we're really in a tough game. And I think that uh, so far, so good. The economy is strong. We still continue to create uh, jobs. Unemployment in Hamilton is second lowest of all big Canadian cities. So we must be doing something right. It's a tough game, uh, but we've got a lot of smart people, Bill, who are uh, doing the best they can in the, with the cars that they've been dealt.
0: Quick thing here, and this is something that we speculated on for some time, Uh, one of the realities we need to face here is this new trade deal, whatever they're going to call it, has a different name on the other side of the border than it does up here. Uh, Nobody's ratified it yet. Not the Congress, not certainly the Parliament yet, uh, not the Mexican Parliament for that matter. Uh, Is there any wiggle room for negotiations? I mean, because there was an expectation, if you remember, Bob, when that deal was finally, you know, uh, agreed upon, that, well, that means the end of the tariffs. Well, it wasn't. Uh, Can you still open up that conversation and say, yeah, we'll sign, but you've got to do something about the tariffs?
1: It's a very dangerous game because the tariffs uh, are an executive order, nothing to do with Congress. Congress has to deal with uh, NAFTA. So, you know, we have to wait and see how that's going to uh, unfold with the new situation with the Democrats controlling Congress now. Uh, The the tariffs are a completely separate thing. And we uh, what NAFTA did was uh, allow us, the north american market with the united states and mexico the tariffs are a one-off separate thing that the president is little personal toy that he's playing with so you you really jeopardize an important uh, trade relationship among the three north american countries if you say we're not signing that thing until these tariffs come off because it's both cutting their noses off to save face and that's another one of these difficult juggling acts that we have to play with the situation that we're in as a government.
0: And by the way, there's no expectation that the U.S. Congress is going to sign that deal anytime soon either, because I know that you're right, the Democrats control the the House down there right now, but they've got some serious considerations and serious concerns about the the revised deal right now. So this is not going to be an easy pass through the the House of Representatives or the Senate, for that matter.
1: No, but that's why, you know, in turn, uh, we've got to play our uh, own cards in terms of international trade. And we've actually put money forward to allow uh, companies to uh, to look at expansion into foreign markets. I have a winery in my riding that just got a government grant to uh, help expose their products uh, to the United Kingdom and, and other places. So there, there's a, a Stony Creek area winery. Uh, getting some federal government help to expand their markets. And that's just one tiny little example of uh, $2 billion in financial aid that covers many stories, such as the one I just told you. And so we've got to be looking at that. But one of the other issues that makes it difficult for me, as well as you and, and, and the reporters, is trying to understand all of the programs that are out there and all of the interactions that are taking place uh, throughout the world uh, to to try to uh, benefit Canadian industry. It's a very complex uh, fabric, and, and we are struggling, I, I have to tell you, to try to make the best of it. But so far, when you look at all of the measurables, the Canadian economy is still doing very well. Softwood lumber is another one. Remember, you, you don't hear anything more about that right now, do you? Nope. Why? Because the cost of lumber has gone up so high that it's overridden the uh, tariffs uh, and similar to steel. You know, the companies are paying huge amounts in in, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of of tariffs, but it's being compensated for to some extent by the uh, the activity in the steel industry and uh, and the rising prices. So that's, that's what happened to the software lumber story.
0: Bob, uh, we're just about out of time on this segment. I appreciate you jumping in and uh, give us some clarification on this. Thanks so much for the time today. I tried my best. Hamilton uh, Stony Creek MP Bob Rotina, of course, uh, with uh, some updates on what's happening on the steel file. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.